You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about is it food sensitivities or is it intestinal permeability, otherwise known as leaky gut. So leaky gut is a term that gets thrown around a lot. It was an episode that I did way back, almost, was that three years ago now? Almost three years ago when I started the podcast, gut health was one of the first episodes that I did on the podcast. And today I just kind of wanted to revisit that topic And also talk a little bit about food sensitivities because I have a lot of people who come to me who ask about food sensitivity testing. And in my opinion, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I don't think that that is the best route to go. However, if there are foods that we find are causing you issues and inflammation, of course, that's something that we want to limit, but it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Is it the food sensitivity that came first or is it the intestinal permeability or leaky gut. So just to kind of revisit that topic, intestinal permeability is essentially the tight, the gap junctions or the tight junctions in your intestinal wall become a little bit leaky. That's why we kind of call it leaky gut. So your gut is only one cell layer thick. So it's very common for that gut lining to be disrupted. And it's, there's very, There's various ways that it can be disrupted, such as inflammatory foods. So that's kind of where we come into the argument of ingredients very much so do matter. And even more more specifically, there are certain foods that are going to agree with more people than others. Stress is a huge thing that can impact the gut lining. And again, stress can come in the forms of, do you have parasites? Do you have H. pylori? Do you have gut bacterial overgrowth? Do you have candida? Those are kind of physical stressors. Are you drinking alcohol? Are you eating foods with inflammatory ingredients, seed oils, artificial flavorings, um, col- of artificial colors, artificial sweeteners, kind of the big players, but then more specifically, are you eating foods that can cause inflammation? And some of the biggest ones are gluten, dairy, kind of those are the biggest players and I think that dairy gets a really bad rap and I think so many more people would be able to tolerate dairy if they healed their gut and we'll get to that. While I think the majority of people probably would do better without gluten in their diet because gluten is, it's not what it used to be. There's so much higher of a gluten content, even in, you know, whole organic wheat than there was in the past. However, sourdough is a little different story. I talk a little bit about sourdough. And in the sourdough episode, I did talk that I'm also experimenting with a virtually gluten-free flour, the jovial or einkorn flour. So I do feel like gluten for pretty much most people is something that we all should be looking at avoiding anyways, because it's just so heavily processed. It's so abundant in wheat products, so much higher than it used to be. That's why people can go over to Europe where they haven't hybridized wheat as much and be able to tolerate it because it's at such a minimal amount. Whereas here it's just everywhere and it's in everything. And I say that with a caveat because when I'm recommending people limit gluten and I'm giving them different options, so many people say to me, wow, this is so much easier than I thought. Because really, so many of the foods that it is in are foods that we really shouldn't be making the bulk of our diet anyways. So that is the good news. And 
back to dairy, dairy can be inflammatory to some people. Some people will never be able to tolerate it. Some people, if they heal their gut, especially parasites are heavily linked to gluten or sorry, to dairy intolerances. I see that all the time. I see, especially when you just get a random intolerance out of the blue. Yeah. Usually parasites. So, but parasites come back to being able to cause intestinal permeability. Eggs are another big food sensitivity that people have. And I think that a large amount of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the fat is bad. Eggs and cholesterol or cholesterol and eggs is horrible. So just do the egg whites. And so people are just doing the egg whites. And with the egg whites, that's what most people end up being not allergic to, but having more of a food intolerance to. And again, so much of that comes down to the quality of in, of your gut. Whereas I eat eggs most days of the week and I don't have any issues, but I eat the full egg and I make sure I heal my gut. And we're going to talk about ways that we can heal intestinal permeability, both through food and different herbals. So if any of this is resonating with you. So leaky gut is essentially, like I said, the tight junctions in the one cell layer thick gut lining become a little permeable, right? So it's it's not completely tight. So the food that you're eating is a, is able to kind of get into the into the tight junctions and right on the other side of that tight junction is your bloodstream. So when things are coming into that, the body is just trying to protect you cuz typically everything should be walled off. It should be sealed. So things just kind of pass through your digestive system and the the immune system doesn't have to freak out. But the immune system is always just there to protect us. So when things are getting into the bloodstream through that gut lining, the immune system does mount a response. And with mounting a response, that's where we get the food sensitivity type symptoms. Sometimes it's bloating, sometimes it's constipation or diarrhea, or sometimes it's not even digestive related at all. Sometimes it's neurologic. Uh, Brain fog is a very common one. You can have headaches, migraines, you can have hormonal things. So everyone's symptom can be a little bit different in terms of how your immune system might be affecting you. Some people do get kind of allergy type symptoms, runny nose, cough, mucus production. It's very different for everybody. So this is why I'm a huge fan of keeping a food diary. And the very tricky part about this is you can eat a food and you don't have to have a reaction right away. So that's what is very tricky because you might eat something and you might be like, oh yeah, that pizza that I just had, no problem. That was good. And I feel totally fine. But you might notice something two days later, but you ate whole foods all day and you think to yourself, how could this be? I mean, I ate all foods that I know do well with me why am I feeling super brain foggy or why am I having just crazy bloating or why are my bowels off? It could be things that you had 24 to 48 hours previously. So that's, again, the thing that makes this very complicated. It's not, doesn't have to be immediate onset. And some people it is. Some people, they notice it right away. Some people, it's a little bit delayed because it's taking some time to work through your digestive system by the time it gets to your large intestine, where it might be having a little bit of intestinal permeability, the immune system's having a response. You can see why, depending on how fast or slow your digestion is, it can be impacting you a little bit later. So my biggest, my biggest tip is don't, it's not worth it to waste your money on food sensitivity testing, because say you get a food sensitivity test done and 20 things come up as bothering you. Are you just going to just never eat those 20 things ever again. It's the same thing with FODMAP, people that go on FODMAP diets. I think that those can be healing, but then you have to work on slow reintroduction because 
you can really limit yourself and then you almost create a food intolerance by limiting those things. And so like I mentioned, gluten is something that I don't think would hurt anybody if we just limited it or avoided it in our diet completely because all whole foods are going to be void of it anyways. It's more of the processed wheats and things like that that are going to have it anyways. But people do want to be able to have eggs. People do want to be able to have high quality dairy. So it's just really important to work on healing that gut lining. So, okay, you have you take you take a food sensitivity test because you didn't listen to this podcast. I did a post actually on this a while ago and I kind of talked about why that, that's not root cause. You have those foods. What do I do now? Okay, well, say you have a bunch of things come up. All right, that's just really a way of telling me you've got some intestinal permeability. We need to work on healing the gut lining. So that is going to be first and foremost, top priority on things that we're going to work on. So does that mean that you should still be eating? So say you eat eggs and you feel horrible every time you eat it. Does that mean, okay, Haley said to eat eggs. So I'm just going to force myself to eat eggs, even though I feel horrible. No, feel free to limit the things that are causing you issues. Or if you are keeping a food diary, say you didn't even do a food sensitivity test, you just are doing a food diary, but you come to realize, okay, it's every time I eat wheat, it's every time I eat certain forms of dairy. And with dairy, I find that it's different in every, some people can tolerate yogurt. Some people can tolerate cottage cheese, but some people can't tolerate milk. Some people can't tolerate cheese or vice versa. So even with that, you can find the the certain forms of it that will work for you. And I think that's where the diary and the tracking is helpful. And it's not necessarily even how you feel 20 to 30 minutes after a meal. It can be, how do you feel two to three hours after a meal? How are you feeling days later? And then you can correlate that to what did I eat two to three days ago? And so you can really, it, it does take a little bit of investigative work, but it is empowering because it does teach you a lot about yourself and what your body's tolerating and what your body's feeling good. So as you're kind of doing this and finding what triggers you have, minimize those while you're working on healing that intestinal lining a little bit. So things that can go in and heal the intestinal lining are things like glutamine and glycine. What are those most commonly found in? Those are most commonly found in bone broth. Bone broth is incredibly high in that glutamine, glycine, collagen, all things that go in and heal the intestinal lining. Whole food, one of my favorite functional whole foods out there is bone broth because of how it heals the gut lining. So for someone who is dealing with intestinal permeability, I would recommend one cup at least five to seven days a week. You can make your own. I really, if I'm going to buy it, I really like the Kettle and Fire brand, but it's super easy to make your own. I have tons of posts on it on my Instagram. It's incredibly cost-effective, especially if you're already buying, say, <clears throat> excuse me, steaks, with a bone in or whole chickens, you're kind of cooking that, taking the meat off, putting the bones back in the crock pot and simmering it for 12 to 24 hours. It's so incredibly simple. It's something that I I really have been very, very consistent about pretty much all fall and winter and now spring. In the summer, I will say, I find that I might not be as consistent because when it's 80 degrees out and I'm sweating, sometimes bone broth isn't the thing that's calling my mind, but I do try to incorporate it as much as possible. I'll cook with it or I'll I'll find still ways to incorporate it. But if you don't like bone broth or you're kind of working on incorporating bone broth, I'd say, you know, if you can't just sip a cup of it, that's usually what I do. You can incorporate it into soups. You can cook crock pot meals with it, um, or you can eat glutamine, collagen, and glycine rich meats that are going to be things like roasts, like chuck roast, um, beef, 
uh, what is it? Uh, what was this cut of meat that we had that it was so high and oh beef cheek very 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 good very gelatinous any meat that gets gelatinous and that you're slow cooking that has a bone it's going to be very very high in all of those so pretty much anything that you're going to put in a crock pot or be cooking for an extended period of time very very high in glutamine glycine and collagen anything that kind of gets that gelatinous flavor gelatin so some people make their own homemade gummies i definitely want to get into that um i've tried to make like homemade marshmallows with the further food gelatin and I need to perfect it, but gelatin is another good source of all of those nutrients as well that are really great at healing the gut. Please don't get your gelatin from things like Jello. Although they are using gelatin, it's not properly sourced and it is loaded with food colorings and just things that are going to contribute to GI inflammation. But you can make your own homemade Jello with things like gelatin, juice, honey super simple, super, super simple. And if I start experimenting with that, I will definitely share some recipes. If again, you don't want to do bone broth, you can supplement with glutamine powder. Glutamine powder is something that I started taking years ago and started learning about years ago. It's a very, very cost-effective way to get glutamine in. You can just add it in a few times a day. I really love aloe vera juice as well. Aloe vera juice is something that I add to warm water with lemon every single morning. So it's a really good functional food because it has so many benefits. It's not only very anti-inflammatory to the gut, it's great for healthy gut motility and promoting healthy bowel movements. It's also amazing for um, reflux. So people who really rely on reflux medication or Tums, it's really great for that because it's just very healing to the entire gut lining. So Aloe vera juice is great. Lily of the Desert is a good brand. I'm pretty sure you can get that one everywhere. I just get the whole leaf. Uh, Trader Joe's I know has one that we've had before. I'm sure Whole Foods has one, but it's really good. It's so good for your digestive system just in general. So there's so many healing foods that you can have. I mean, bone broth and aloe are probably my one that I feel like anytime I see intestinal permeability and leaky gut and inflammation show up on a stool test, I'm like, yep, we're doing those and we're doing those consistently. If people are struggling with compliance with those things, there are supplement versions. Like I mentioned, the glutamine powder, certain forms of probiotics like spore forming probiotics have shown in research to be significant at reducing intestinal permeability. Microbiome Labs did a study specifically on college students. They changed nothing about their diet and lifestyle. And I can't remember the time period. I want to say it was six to eight weeks they showed a significant reduction in intestinal permeability in the subjects where, again, they're college students, are probably drinking, they're probably not changing their lifestyle because they weren't told to not to. And although lifestyle change is incredibly important, I think it just goes to show how effective that can that form of a spore probiotic can be in helping to support intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut. So I think that's very interesting. So something like that can be very helpful. Obviously getting in great probiotic foods, via fermented foods, kefir, uh, yogurts, cottage cheese. Cottage cheese is just all the rage now with the cottage cheese ice cream, which I will note is very good. Very, very good. The Good Culture's got a great brand because you're getting really helpful bacterial and probiotic rich cultures. So probiotics are really helpful because they are going to go in and help to repopulate the gut if that's something that probiotics have been low in. So sometimes if we just don't have enough kind of healthy probiotics and bugs there to help create an effective immune response, 
that can be another way that we get that. But I just want to circle back to the fact that stress does play a huge role in this. Your vagus nerve stimulation and your vagus nerve parasympathetic nervous system is incredibly, incredibly beneficial for digestive health in general. You can take all the supplements, you can drink all the bone broth, you can take the best protocols in the world, but if you are living in a constant sympathetic fight or flight state, you are never going to heal your gut, period. It's just, it's the hard truth. And we all have stress. Trust me. I know I see it in my practice. I see it in myself. We all have it. It's all about how can we manage it? Can we find pockets in the day that we can go outside? Can we take little work breaks to either deep breathe or meditate, or just do a little bit of movement, practice mindfulness. It's all about managing what we have. And that's why I'm a huge fan of all of these different practices that do promote resilience sauna, cold exposure, working out, all these different things, because I do feel like they do help the body better react and cope with stress. But it is just so incredibly important that if that is not a priority, stress management needs to be a priority in any gut healing protocol. And if it's not, you're not going to get the results that you want to see because stress is constantly affecting not only our bowel motility, how much nutrients we're absorbing, how many digestive enzymes and how much stomach acid we're making, but also it can contribute to more inflammation, which again is going to contribute to leaky gut and and permeability. So I really want to just hone in and focus on that because that is the, everybody rolls their eyes when I talk about it in our consults. And I feel like everybody's probably like, yeah, 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 we get it. Like stress is important, but, but it really is. You, I've seen it in myself and it's something that it's a work in progress. I'm a very type A person. I feel like I work with so many type A people and every time they're like that, I'm type A. I'm like, I get it. I hear you. I hear you. Everything is like an urgent. We like go, go, go. We do, do, do. If that's not you, that's cool. But if that is you, you can, we, we all can heal and we all can focus on doing better. I'm on, I forget how many days, like 150, 170 days meditation streak. And I can tell you that that has been monumental. So there, and meditation isn't the only way that we manage stress, but it has been very helpful for me. And I think it's all about setting boundaries, finding time in your day to take little mini stress breaks. It's all about kind of those checks and balances systems. So please make sure you're doing that with any gut healing journey add in collagen, glycine, glutamine, rich foods. You can take those amino acids separately. That's why magnesium glycinate is really helpful because it's not only helpful to your nervous system, but the glycine is really helpful for the gut lining. I really like the microbiome lab spore probiotic. They also have a mucosal lining product called mega mucosa. That's really helpful for kind of healing and sealing that gut lining that I see a lot of great results with. And again, if you do have any deeper root cause things like parasites or bacterial overgrowth or candida, you of course want to make sure that those things are addressed because if you do all the things, but you're not addressing kind of the underlying infections, that intestinal permeability will continue to show up. So it is a, it is, it's simple yet very complex because there's a lot of moving parts, but if you are just getting started, keep a food diary, be consistent with it, really be honest with yourself, how you're feeling. So you can look back and see what are the things that are triggering you And with the food diary, I always tell people to include stress. How are you feeling at that time of the meal? Were you feeling stressed? Were you eating at your computer? Were you eating while you're picking the kids up in the drive, in the school pickup line? 
what was going on in your life emotionally and mentally during that time, because that again, it leads back to the stress conversation. It all goes in. And so I think is the more holistic and whole picture that you can be with a food journal, the more you're going to get out of it. If you just write whatever foods you eat down and then, you know, felt bloated, I mean, that, that might be helpful, but it's so much more helpful when you can see the whole picture to it. How stressed were you? What was your nervous system doing? It gets, it gets the whole picture. And if you had a food sensitivity test test on, and you know what foods are inflaming you at this point, maybe limit those. And then slowly, as you do this healing journey, maybe you kind of work on some of the stuff on your own. If you feel like it's more complex, obviously feel free to reach out to a practitioner and work one-on-one with them. But then when you do reintroduce foods, you always want to space them out at least three to four days, because again, that, that response can be a little delayed. So give it, introduce one food at a time at least three days apart so that you can really see, okay, how am I tolerating this food now? How am I tolerating this food now? It's crazy the amount of people that have been able to reincorporate dairy into their diet after doing the parasite protocol in my membership. It's like astounding. Um, I'm not only the skin healing, but the bloating reduction. It's just, I do see that obviously play a huge role into kind of the whole gut healing journey, but even just so much of what we talked about in this podcast can bring you a lot of clarity and just teach you a lot about your body that maybe you didn't realize before. So I hope that this was helpful. Please keep me posted on how your healing journey goes. If you feel like you need any one-on-one support, I'm more than happy to help. You can learn more on my website, drhaleyshoff.com slash consults, but this is definitely a really good starting place and I know you'll be able to learn a lot about yourself and even really incorporate some good healing functional foods in just through this episode. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.